19 generations ago, man arrived on the shores of Arbalea, the most promising and forgiving place most had seen in their lives. Those native to the continent, however, did not welcome this diaspora of mankind, weary of the race's reputation for colonization. They organized forces against the invaders, and the result was a brutal and savage war that lasted 27 long years. Unable to keep up with man's rapid population growth, the native races of Arbalea finally ceded that the cost to their people was too great. After their surrender to Ewan Blythe, second king of men, the Amity Accord was drafted and peace was promised to the entire continent. The dwarves, as a gesture of peace and unity, built man a pair of cities, one of towers of forged steel and glass called Crescia, and one crafted from magnificent red stone, which was named for the human nation that would house it, Madrigal. For 17 generations, Madrigal has stood. For 17 generations, Madrigal has represented all that is good in the world. Madrigal, the city of every road, bringing peace and enacting justice through the presence of the king's honorable crimson oak knights. The kingdom of Madrigal is a place where all things good and right prosper, where the light shines and the abyss is but a fable in the mind of young children. But what happens when Madrigal faces a threat like it's never known before? When the hundreds of years of safety and security people have taken for granted vanishes overnight? What happens when the abyss overflows? The only way to find out is to roll them bones. Welcome, everybody, to episode zero of Knucklebones, a TTRPG actual play podcast set in a homebrew campaign called The Symphony Saga. Knucklebones gets its name from the ancient practice of using animal talus bones for gaming and fortune telling. Technically, it's a misnomer, as a talus bone is not technically a knuckle. And we technically aren't podcasters, at least not at the time of this recording. It's you, dear listeners. All you bone boys and scaladies. Osteo envies and trans taluses. Chitin kids and all the cartilaginous folks in between. That give what we do meaning. So thanks. We hope you stick around for the wild ride ahead. But first, who the fuck even are we? I'll go first. <laughs> My name is Nick and I play TTRPGs. Hi Nick. Prove it. <laughs> I, 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 I fucking prove it, bro. Pro I'll prove it. I'll prove it. Prove it. Prove it. Um, in all seriousness, uh, I play I play RPGs. I love Dungeons and Dragons, 5e in particular. I've played a little bit of Pathfinder and 3.5, but I found pretty early on that I like the role playing aspect of RPGs a lot more than the uh, clunky mechanical aspects of it. And 5e lends itself, in my opinion, the best to the role playing. So. Ivy's the one that I latched onto and the one that I love. How about you, Matt? Yeah, that's me. I'm Matt. Uh, this is what my voice sounds like. So whenever I forget what my character's voice sounds like, you'll hear this voice a bunch more uh, while I try <laughs> to remember what an accent is and how to do one. Um, I have a weird history with um, tabletop RPGs. I, I'm a pretty late comer to them, uh, fully only as an adult man uh, have I played any tabletop games. But I... I've recently realized I have owned a ton of tabletop role-playing books when I was a kid that I didn't understand what they were for. 
they were just like cool manuals with monsters and Vikings and uh, robots that shoot each other and just like rad, you know, intellectual property, I guess. Yeah, these uh, these charts and tables don't matter. Let me look at the cool pictures. Yeah, I actually, you know, recently um, cleaned some stuff out of my parents' house and, and found some of the old ones. And it, 100%, there's all the like, here's the cool faction information or whatever is in there that I have read a million times and somehow had blacked out that there's another 200 pages that are just like hex grids and how to play a game I never tried to play. Uh, so yeah, so about very excited to do that now. Well, that's cool, Matt. If I was you, I would have read them and learned how to play a long time ago personally, but that's just me. Hey, a hey prove it. Prove it, bro. Yes, Nick and reading. That's what I think of. So, so aggressive for no reason. <laughs> All right, let's move along. Um, Mikey, who are you? Sometimes I just forget. That's a really weird question to ask your wife. Um, it's a little <laughs> awkward. Uh, I feel like we've gone over this a few times now. Um, no, uh, uh, I'm Mikey. It's a 54 uh, states situation. <laughs> it's, listen, uh, it makes for a real interesting gameplay when every session is actually session one. Um <laughs> And the DM doesn't know at that point that we have actually played through the scenario enough times that we're able to like really maximize and or really. You have to find the shortcuts to get to the end at at, like the first twenty minutes, so you can make it to the final boss fight. That's a really good idea. But what's beautiful is at the end, you guys, when we realize that we're in love, it starts manifesting and like better loot drops and stuff, and the campaign grows to mirror our relationship. (laughs) Anyway, this is. Knucklebones, the romantic comedy RPG. I uh, I uh, came to RPGs uh, from the board game world. I am a huge fan of tabletop uh, games in general. I am a uh, what most people would call an inside kid, and so uh, I've always been interested in uh, that element of play. And also, I've been devouring and churning out stories for as long as I can remember. So as soon as I realized that there was an opportunity for me to uh, hang out with my friends who are also a bunch of nerds and make up stories together, like, why the fuck wasn't I doing that? (laughs) That's a fair question. And on the note of nerds, hey, Max. I'm Max. And I would say the first exposure in my life that I had to RPGs was Pokemon when I was five years old because I recently learned... How did nobody learned... else say video games? Yeah, because I recently realized that Pokemon is technically an RPG, although it's not a full-scale RPG. It's kind of... It's weird. My introduction to just, like, gaming in general was a lot of, like, open-world stuff, and I always found myself most attracted to open-world gameplay. So being able to create my own world with friends and kind of make my own backstory rather than just, like, choosing a like option on a menu that says outlaw as my background uh, or something like that is something that really appeals to me. I think Nick can attest to this. My thing that I nerd out about the most with D&D is that I create characters that are like, uh, like too in depth and way too thought out to the point of like and kind of off pla- the wall, man. Yeah. Just I mean- absolutely <laughs> off the wall. Yeah, I mean, I've had a, I've had a, a Goliath rogue barbarian that was my favorite character I've ever played as, <laughs> and uh, Nick was kind of my introduction to D and D, and now I'm, I'm here. 
I raised him from just a wee lad, and now he's, <laughs> well, still a wee lad, but just slightly older and slightly more experienced. I'm a woe lad now. I'm a he's woe, a woe lad. lad. <laughs> Moving on from our, our woe lad here. Um, but hey, let's circle back around. We've got another very important thing that we need to discuss. Characters. Right? We met our players. We know who you guys are. We know how you got into D&D or RPGs or board games, what have you. Specifically to our campaign, the Symphony Saga. Matt, tell us about your character. Well, now I'll be playing uh, Gautier Desjardins, and his voice sounds like this, so when I forget who I am in real life and I fully <laughs> separate from my own mental state <laughs> of being, I'll be talking like this. Um... <laughs> He it's a little is... more natural state for you. <laughs> that's that's who I am on the inside as a <laughs> 42-year-old, like, faux Cajun man. Uh, in this world, he is uh, sort of a nobleman from a noble family, sort of like a older middle brother um, who is not really in line to inherit but has been, uh, you know, missing, or sort of not missing, but actively skirting all of his supposed sort of, like, uh, duties and uh, responsibilities. Uh, really based on the sort of like archetype of the um, I think of like the sort of like uh, British gentry all like on safari in Africa where it's like <laughs> they probably do have some skills out there in the wilderness but also they seem like obnoxious rich dudes um, that's kind of 100% uh, who he is at and where he's at Galtier is just living high on the hog yeah he uh, because why, you know, why wouldn't you well, look, he's he's fully he's over the crest now of when he could just be like a court hot boy. That's all over for him. So now he has to become an adventurer, I guess. <laughs> Do something to earn his keep. <laughs> Mikey, tell us about uh, about your player character. Yeah, so I play Babitha Burbage, who is a rock gnome here from the continent of Arbalea, and I knew that I really wanted to uh, play a, a caster of some kind. I really love the element of magic. Uh, that is what gets me really stoked to play D&D and to like full on immerse myself in the fantasy. But what I found is that I almost always make characters who are expressly different from me or at least how I present externally. And mm -hmm. I wanted yeah, that's to. That's half the fun of it. It's half the fun of it, right? Is is going okay? Well, I'm, you know, a, a cisgender straight woman, and instead of playing me, you know, I often will play the, you know, pansexual elven bard who like doesn't understand what monogamy is, um, and just kind of really <laughs> explore all of those like really crazy, you know, not crazy, but like what would be uncharacteristic for me kind of behaviors because it's, I mean, that's kind of what it's all about. It's about escapism. Uh, but with that, I, I wanted to uh, still maintain that fun element of escapism, but also kind of embrace things that are true and real for me that maybe are kind of things that I like see as flaws in myself or things that I'm like figuring out. And uh, I'm 
kind of built this character that celebrates those things. So uh, I am, you know, chronically ill and mildly disabled, and I've built this character who has a mild disability that does not slow her down and uh, doesn't impact her ability to be a kick-ass adventurer, uh, and she still gets to keep up with the boys and do all that stuff. She is insanely curious. She has uh, a hungry mind, just like me, and she wants to know how everything works. And as a result of that, she's uh, a tinkerer. She's an artificer. She builds things. She likes to make things with her hands. And she's also really deeply interested in uh, potion making and the lore. And she's just on this eternal quest to always be making and creating and learning. And that's something that I really value in myself. So it's exciting to see that play out in a world that is way more exciting than the world that I live in. Tabitha sounds like she's going to be an absolute blast, but there's one very important aspect of Babitha. <laughs> Her best friend. Her best Thanks, Nick. Okay, friend. so. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, anyway, uh, let me just hop in here and describe. Yikes, uh, guys, this is. Uh, <laughs> oof, guys, this is super awkward. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I have a best friend, a roommate, an apprentice, uh, and mechanically, I guess you would consider him technically a sidekick. He is a spellcaster, he is a grung, he is a beautiful majestic creature who is uh, <laughs> who is loyal through and through to Babatha and is her constant companion in all things. He is of course the one and only Blep. Blep. Oh, hi Blep. It's good to see you here. I wasn't expecting you to make it. But, hey, sorry, I'm so sorry, this is awkward. Um, we don't need you for this recording. Yeah, no, this one is just, no, this is just a, it's just a, in, no, we're not actually, we're not, the characters aren't, yeah, what no, it's fine. What the fuck, you mean you don't need me? What if Blep sounded like that? What if, <laughs> what, just what, what if instead of your cool frog noises, I was just doing that like ADR? behind your back. <laughs> Every God, time you guys so go good. out of your way to do cool Foley, I'm just gonna be like, I'm a fucking frog, okay? Da in my head now, Danny DeVito is Blep, and Blep <laughs> is Danny DeVito saying, and anyway, so I just started blasting. From <laughs> I know why I'm so fucking red. It's because I'm poisonous. <laughs> I'm going to move things along. I think at this point, we're going to talk afterwards. Max. You're up, baby boy. My little whoa lad. I'm so cute. Oh my god. Uh, I am playing Liza Zdrovichel, a change link bard. I am in the same coven as dear old Auntie Babby, and we have known each other for years. I am the newest member of the coven, and Babatha seems to be the only one that is willing to help me in any way. <laughs> Uh, last to join is not the last to rise. That's what I always say. Thank you, Auntie Baby. Uh, so uh, Liza, as a as a changeling, has had a, a rough upbringing because there are no other changelings in Arbalea as far as they are concerned. And being that 
when I when I decided to make this character, I, I I was thinking of wanting to be a changeling because I thought it was just a very cool race. And then kind of as I delved deeper into creating the backstory, it didn't really make sense for Liza to be any one uh, gender in particularly. So I tried to play this pretty neutrally, considering that Liza can be a man or woman or different race at any or time. Or all of the above at the e same time. E absolutely. And or none of the above at the same time. Sometimes full Kendall. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's crazy. So I'm very nervous to play this character just because I, I want to do uh, right by kind of non-binary communities, but I also just want to play a character that I feel connected to. Uh, through my story making self and I, I really think Liza is pretty fun and uh, pretty off the wall and has been really fun to play so far. So, And a quick note to say that you will notice that uh, we are all guilty of misgendering Liza at times. Um, we absolutely could go through and cut out every instance of that, but we think that it's important sometimes to show that we are human beings and we make mistakes. And so we are going to do our best to correct ourselves and move forward, just like we would encourage all of you to do if you misgender someone in real life. Nick, what, what was your inspiration for the world that we're in? What was your inspiration for Madrigal and this campaign? Mikey, that is a very good question. First of all, I don't really remember that fifty first day thing. Remember, <laughs> like, like I'm I'm a very forgetful person in the first place. But I will say, my cousin who lives with us, his name is Michael. He is bro. Yeah, that's your wife, yeah. bro. <laughs> well, it's do you also, know? Do you know also, that you also have a wife? I thought Wait. you guys were from Alaska, not Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. I apologize to Tuscaloosa. My cousin Michael is a he is a phenomenal backboard. So I can't really discuss this story with my friends, right? Because my friends are you guys. And so I can't discuss my ideas and the things that I want to happen, things like that with anybody. So I they get bottled up and built up. But um, my cousin Michael has been a, a, just a great backboard, a person that talks things out with me and helps me. Um, direct kind of, I, I always come at him with a general idea of what I want. And then it's just, we just talk it out until something, something gets fleshed out and it feels great. Um, I don't remember the specific. The real writer's room kind of vibe, um, which I yeah, should mention exactly. takes place exclusively while I'm locked in my office doing a real work. Now that I'm thinking about it, the, the actual inspiration for the, the basis of this campaign came from Max. Um, we finished a Curse of Strahd campaign and decided to start a new one. And in our new campaign, Max originally wanted to play an Echo Knight. And I wasn't going to allow it at first because it's absolutely bonkers. But then when I read the Echo Knight, the concept Fucking there, badass. it's so cool. Uh, and so there was no way that after reading that, knowing that we were going to uh, do a show, it felt like I had to, it was such a cool concept that I had to utilize it somehow. Arbalea itself was something that we all worked together on in a, in a kind of an early rough draft kind of world building session that we had. But the story itself came from, yeah, it came from, from Max's idea of an Echo Knight and then just kind of backboarding that off of 
my cousin Michael until something really stuck with me that I liked. And I cannot wait for you guys to see the things that are going to go down, the things that are happening, and the reasons for that. It's going to be, I hope, mind-blowing. <laughs> no pressure. Well, there's a lot of pressure on me, but I can just get help from Michael. So. <laughs> yeah, follow-up question. Um, the incredibly powerful legendary magical items that you definitely are giving us because mm -hmm, you promised mm -hmm, them mm -hmm. in the last session that hasn't yep. been released yet. Yeah. What was your inspiration for that and how awesome is it going to make me look and feel? Yeah, same uh, same question. So when um, am I getting my dildoard? <laughs> <laughs> um, excuse me, I think you mean your plus one dildoard? Oh, it's at least a plus two, right? Because... <laughs> I mean, it kind of depends on the wielder, right? It's not its not the size of the bonus that matters, okay? It's how you use it. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, all, in all seriousness, its I think it's going to be a blast. I have a, a good portion of this written. I know where things are going to head, barring what you guys choose to do and how you guys react to certain situations. Like, I know what, I, what I'm intending, and we'll see if that's what pans out. That's the beauty of... RPGs is it depends on what you guys do and I'm stoked on it I think the world of Madrigal which is the kingdom in which this story is going to take place is very cool like it's it's not one of these dark gritty scary kinds of places like Madrigal is a place where Madrigal is a place where your dreams come true it is funny because you keep emphasizing how the king and the monarchy is like a good thing and all three of us are just like fucking no Nah. Uh, so it's been it's been really fun for me well not fun it's been really frustrating for me to not constantly just be like the people who are in charge are the evil guys that's been <laughs> every time yeah it's just it's, clearly obviously yeah it's just it's hard to kind of fight that urge uh both storytelling wise and also just me as a person Especially we're so wounded that we can't even accept this notion of like this utopian kind of Camelot world that we've been given. Um, it's like <laughs> we, we already are too jaded. We know that horror can happen in the daylight now. Uh, <laughs> we've, we've seen it in, in real life and, and now we're just always wary of everyone and everything at all times. Well, I mean, that's a symptom of playing RPGs, right? There has to be conflict or there's no, even more than a novel or a series or anything, like there has to be conflict or there is nothing, right? So so that's the balance that I've had to strike in planning for this is how do you inject conflict into a place that's inherently good? I'm particularly excited to play with the three of you. Um, I have played prior to this campaign uh, with Nick and Matt, kind of um, ad nauseum at this point, boys. Um, but uh, Max and I have had, uh, prior to this, only played together one time uh, in uh, what truly m m must have been either the best or worst intro to D&D &D, to have uh, some external person just show up as a random character that has nothing to do with your campaign and just start throwing random wrenches and everything which is very much our play style uh, wait are you but, talking about me or what you did oh but uh, both i think see, b yeah see all of the above 
You know, I just can't picture a world where the two of you inject a bunch of chaos and ruin a third player's well-laid plans. Who's mm. just, you know, trying to live their life in a wonderful kingdom that upholds its values. And two people just want to storm <laughs> the gates and tear everything down. I just can't imagine <laughs> that being uh, true. Which king are you representing? Many, many kings in this area. So, Matt, how do you know the rest of the group? So, as uh, all of you know, uh, three of us went to high school together four score and seven years ago. I don't know how long four score actually is. Uh, feels about right. Is that what is the score? Who knows? Yeah, I'm not going to find out. A score um, is 20 years. I don't know, like 14 Max, to 3 or something? Nobody knows. Yeah, Max, I don't know if you heard my prior sentence where I said no one knows. And since you oh, are I'm sorry. definitely. Well, you know what? You know, that is fair because maybe you're, you're not a person. One. I no might be the key to finding the national treasure. The hidden I don't know. <laughs> the national, yes. He's got a tattoo of a map on his back that will lead us to the original Declaration put, of Independence. You have to put lemon juice on my back, and then you'll find the map. <laughs> and How many, how many Tinder dates have you tried that on? <laughs> Not baby, many Tinder baby. dates. It's just, it's just invisible ink, baby. Not yeah. many Tinder dates, many Bumble dates. Oh. oh, they seem more lemony. Who knows? Who knows? Um, excellent question, Max. Three of us went to high school together. Uh, I've known Nick and Michael for a long time, um, but we didn't play D&D back in the back in the day. And so you guys were the we, we were all players in a game a few years back. That was my first experience actually being a player because I started out as a DM right off out the gate. That's the first thing I did. So we have a bunch of hours playing together and we've played a few different systems and stuff at this point. We've had a lot of shenanigans and, you know, kept a part of our sort of little core crew together when we decided to try this shit out. Cool, Max. How do you know the rest of the group? <laughs> well, thanks, so Max. Good at this. So I know the group through Nick, mainly because I was in a kickball group with some friends, actually random kickball group, met some folks then met some acquaintances of those folks, which then introduced me to Nick through uh, their D&D group. And then the first D&D game that I ever played was a Curse of Strahd game with Nick and Mikey in attendance. Nick was the DM. And then Nick asked me to be part of a podcast that he was considering making, and that's how I met Matt. So I think I have significantly less uh, RPG, like, D&D experience than everyone else but I've been playing for I think it oh, shows it does it really does <laughs> um, the, the fact that I kidding. the fact that I throw my I have to throw my d4 across the room in order to use it is just Listen, I think it really bogs you know, things down you know the rules okay the newest to the game the fewest years played that's the rule you have to play with the d4 across the room we didn't make the rules just play that. I, I like that we're giving this habit an origin story because I have like fully <laughs> forgotten <laughs> where this started, but I've thrown so many d4s because of it. Roll for d4. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've been playing for a little over two years, and uh, it's been it's been a good ride. Long may it continue. Long may it continue. All of this in conclusion. <laughs> to wrap things up, 
I think it would be very fun if we briefly, 30 seconds or less, what is your favorite RPG moment that you've had so far? Any game, any campaign. Matt, off the dome. Um, <laughs> my first long-running campaign with some dear, dear friends of mine that you guys know from school and from small-town Alaska. Uh, full fucking TPK because they made a series of really terrible choices after like three and a half years of playing our very first campaign ever. Uh, and I like unceremoniously murdered all their characters and went like, well, I guess we're done. They deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> and we talk about it probably once a month still where it, someone's just like, do you remember that shit? <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, DMing's hard, you guys. Love your DMs. Be nice to them. It's, it's except, so hard. Except for Nick. So I'm going to, Mikey, do you want to go or do you want me to go? I feel like, oh, do you um, have one off the top of your dome? Yeah, who's got one? I do. I think that probably one of my favorite RPG moments uh, was in a the campaign in, wherein I was playing the aforementioned pansexual bard. And uh, we were in a potential TPK situation. I mean, things were looking dire. We didn't know how we were going to get out of this. I was down to my last few hit points and I thought this is it. Like that I could not see a way forward for my character. And so in a blaze of glory, I uh, shapeshifted into a flying snake uh, who we will forever know as uh, Neil Diamondback. And flew into and up the nostril of the dragons, of the white dragon, I believe, mm -hmm. and uh, burrowed into its brain and gave it a good old bite. And that poisoned condition was enough to uh, get this dragon where we needed it. And I was able, you know, it it snorted me out and within a round, my compatriots were able to finish the job and bring me to life. And it was the most magical, insane bullshit that I have ever done. And uh, 10 out of 10 would recommend. 10 out, it's a real 10 out of good 10. Day. Max, you're thinking real what about hard. You, Max? What you got? You've got a good one, right? I mean, I have like five different moments and they're all so different. In a recent game that I actually played with Nick with a brand new character that we started, uh, Brian Patrick Stevens Jr., uh, also known as PJ. Uh, my, probably my favorite character I've ever made because it's the dumbest shit I've ever done. Uh, he <laughs> is a absolute coward and is not used to combat. And he, I rolled a nat 20 uh, twice, I think, over the course of two rounds to jump out of a window to avoid getting into combat. And it was <laughs> truly one of the funniest things I've ever, it was so, so incredible. <laughs> and then the next session, Nick asked me to roll a history check when this character is not from the plane of existence and has a negative one intelligence and he rolled an at one. So he got a zero. It was so, it was so thematically happy. It made me so happy. Oh my God. Uh, just everything about PJ. Oh my God. Sometimes low rolls are high rolls. What about you, Nick? What's your uh, what's your favorite player moment and GM moment? So I imagine they're different. 
Oh, that's awesome, because I was thinking of two distinct ones that I couldn't choose between, and they're different. Okay, so my favorite GM moment was I was running <laughs> Curse of Strahd, and we were in the Amber Temple, which is, like, widely regarded as insanely difficult, and uh, it's a place where TPKs happen regularly. It's a very difficult dungeon. And the group, that sh which consisted of Mikey and a few other friends... <laughs> got in the temple, awakened a lich who was chasing them out of the temple, and they escaped by literally one five-foot square. I mean, the party was trying to yeah. run from the lich, and he was trying to actively get them, and would have, if it wasn't for one five-foot square that the gnome stepped past. The lich couldn't make it, wasn't going to leave the temple, and the party escaped the TPK. It was unbelievable i was looking at every nook and cranny of this stat block to try to figure out some sort of a way that i could get them and i i was five feet away there was no way um that was a t that was a ton of fun that was such a good moment and uh was uh, preceded by my character donnie the goblin uh befriending the lich king for several that. rounds as he took <laughs> us through and just showed us all of the loot and then when he tried to kill us we just i still don't know how we did it it's one of the rare times yeah. where uh playing on a map really came in clutch yeah there was just no that... no fighting it when we were all there looking at it in person at the same table I think that my favorite player moment came from, oh, the rise of Tiamat when we had Matt, Mikey, myself, and a few other friends uh, were all playing, and I had fallen unconscious, my character had fallen unconscious, and I was rolling death saves, I had rolled two failed death saves, and on my third one, I rolled the natural one. We were in the middle of a huge combat. It was me and one other character when everybody else had fled. So they left us for dead. Um, I rolled well. a natural 20 on my, on my, after failing two death saves, I came back to life with one hit point and I had a staff of healing that I used as a life cleric. And I rolled max healing on my staff of healing, which took it to zero charges. So I had to roll a natural 20 to see if it was destroyed. I rolled a natural one and my staff of healing was destroyed. It was just an absolutely epic moment to come back from the brink of death, heal my friend whose name was Friend, enough that he could escape the temple. Um, it was it was unbelievable. It was incredible. It was against all odds and just like the staff disintegrating in my hand. It was it was so good. That was very cinematic. Like that's like the one time you're like, oh, I kind of want my magical item to fucking dissolve into the mist because it would yeah, be so I mean, dope, right? Like, Yeah, narratively, it was just, in, oh, yeah. I wasn't even disappointed. I wasn't even disappointed. Okay, so with all that in mind, all these great epic moments that have happened, there are plenty more great and epic moments to happen here on Knucklebones. And if you do yourself a favor and check back in every other Monday your favorite podcatcher you might find another episode and don't forget to check out knucklebonespod.com don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on whatever podcaster you choose hit the thumbs up button uh hit subscribe hit that bell make sure that you're notified when we release a new video hold on don't forget that the woman in your home is your legally married wife <laughs> wait a minute <laughs>
What? You feel oddly specific. <laughs> Wait a minute. Make sure to smash that like button. S just button. smash that like button a few times. Just make sure you do it an odd number of times so that it stays liked. We will catch you guys on the mm, flip correct. side.